There are a lot of quarterbacks in the NFL Draft this year. My name is Ben Solak, and I host the Ringer NFL Draft Show with Danny Kelly, Danny Heifetz, and Greg Horbeck. We cover trades, free agency, and the draft, which is, yeah, obviously. We'll tell you about everything, which includes which quarterbacks are good, which quarterbacks are bad, and which quarterbacks are just Kirk Cousins. That is the Ringer NFL Draft Show. Search the Ringer NFL Draft Show on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. There's no better feeling than a personal win, and the State Farm personal price plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Ringer NFL. Just go to Indeed.com slash Ringer NFL right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello and welcome back to the second inaugural Extra Threat podcast on the Ringer NFL Show feed. I'm Nora Princiati and I am joined, as I was last week, live from Las Vegas, not live, but I just like saying it that way, by Sheil Kapadia. Hello, Sheil. Hello. Um, you know, after the last one, I was surprised. I wasn't sure if we were going to make it to a second one, but uh, here we are. So that's good. Back to back, uh, just like the Chiefs. Steven Ruiz. Hello, I'm I'm optimistic. I knew we were going to come back. I thought we had a great show. Maybe we'll be going for the three-peat. Uh, and Benjamin Solak. Hello, Ben. We're just going to brush past Steven saying, I'm optimistic. We're just going to let him have that <laughs> hey, line. Hey, 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 hey. That's, that's a real Enough. thing. <laughs> I was going to let him have it. Steven's, Steven's riding high. He's still employed by the right. ringer. We're very happy about it. Uh, it's great to be here. We've got a really fun show planned. We're going to have a lot of fun as we always do, but we're also going to go back through the regular season, just reflect on 2023, each share something that we sort of learned, something that ended up being a lasting impression now that the last game of, of the year has been played. And then we're going to look ahead and talk about one off-season storyline each that we're excited to see play out. I do want to mention just at the top of the show that you know this is a week when we celebrate the Super Bowl champion and we enjoy, you know, witnessing the most exciting game of the year, a game where people come together. Uh, but tragically, at the parade on Wednesday where the Chiefs were celebrating their accomplishment, there was a shooting with a casualty. I think people have seen a lot of news reports by now. Unfortunately, events like these gun violence deaths in this country are, are just unfathomably common. And there's not really anything that, you know, this is a football podcast. We, we, people should read the news, understand what happened. Um, and, you know, our, our thoughts and our hearts are very sad thinking about something that's just a horrible tragedy. But there's nothing that we can really say that's going to make any shred of difference, except for the fact that, again, 
this is just the type of thing that, you know, there have been more mass shooting incidents in this country in this year than there have been days in the year so far. So uh, we mention it not to bring everybody down at the top of of what's supposed to be a, a fun pod and will be a fun pod, but just because we sort of can't let ourselves just become so numb to these types of events that we don't say anything at all. So again, it's just a horrible thing and it's really sad. And and we're feeling that as I think a lot of people are. Thanks, Nora. All right. We can we can turn the page though. So let's start with a little bit of of reflection on the year, I think, right? We look back before we look forward. So one of our prompts for this pod was to think about 2023. And we were each going to offer just a lasting impression from the season. So, Sheil, what if I tap you to to go first? Yeah, I was thinking about this and I was just like, I'm going to go with whatever the first thing is that comes in my mind. And I was thinking about Wild Card Weekend and CJ Stroud and Jordan Love. And, and that's just like, that, that's my impression from 2023 because we came into this season, Tom Brady had retired Last year, you know, Aaron Rodgers has sort of reached this uh, other stage and you had some, it's kind of a changing of the guard at quarterback. And it was like, well, which of the, you know, who are the new young guys who are going to step up? We know who some of them are, uh, obviously, who we, we've talked about at length on this show. But these were two guys who were complete unknowns. I mean, even if you were the biggest CJ Stroud optimist, I don't remember anyone saying, I think he might have the greatest, you know, season for a rookie quarterback in the last two decades. I don't, maybe someone said that. Uh, I don't remember anyone saying that, but that's really what it was. And it wasn't just that he had that. It was kind of the way he had that. Everything he did seems like, wow, this is just like, there's nothing fluky about this. This is replicable. Uh, If anything, you can add some pieces around him. The supporting cast can be better. He can get more reps. And there's another level to get to where really his ceiling, I mean, I I don't know, his ceiling is best quarterback uh, in the NFL. I guess we should should say 1A for everyone, as long as Patrick Mahomes is doing what he's doing. So all right, 1A (laughs) is his ceiling. And then the other guy, Jordan Love, where it was more of a roller coaster. You know, you come into the season, I was ripping him for taking that extension last offseason because I'm like, come on, man, bet on yourself a little bit. Maybe if you're good, you you don't want to be locked into that. He had ups and downs. I remember talking with Solak first six weeks of the season, and we're just like, well, this is probably what it's supposed to look like. It's a young supporting cast. He's a starter for the first time. You know, this is to be expected. Let's see what it looks like down the road. And then all of a sudden, the guy is just making high degree of difficulty throws, just having me yell out of this chair to my right here. I just remember watching some of those throws late in the season in the playoffs and being like, all right, I'm making him my guy. I love watching this man play football. Uh, and now you have these two franchises where you didn't know what to think. Packers were moving to a different era. Texans were kind of a downtrodden franchise. And now all of a sudden, we look at those two teams going into 2024. And it's like these two teams uh, can absolutely make some noise right away. And their futures are very bright. So so that was mine, my lasting impression. The first thing that came to mind was that wild card weekend. They both played well and also kind of what it means for those teams and really the NFL sort of quarterback landscape at large. Chill, you just gave such a like a, a thoughtful reason, just uh, optimistic to borrow Stephen Ruiz's favorite word, um, sort of portrait <laughs> of what both of those quarterbacks accomplished this year. And so now I'm going to be really, really annoying and make you be predictive. Who's who are you more excited about next year? Like whose ceiling is higher? Oh, my goodness. CJ, you know what? I I'm already the wheels are turning. <clears throat> Excuse me, because I know I have to, I'm going to have to do a trade value uh, column update. So my cop out 
is that CJ Stroud still got that rookie deal. And so if I had to pick one for my franchise, it would be Stroud. But that's not really what you're... Qu- I, I think I would still lean Stroud. Uh... But I'm thinking about it. Uh, I I do love, uh, I just, you know, Jordan Love, like in terms of players, I enjoy watching play football and the types of throws he attempts to make. And I mean, think of who he was throwing the football to. I mean, these are all first and second. Pick love, it, Shield. Yeah, you know yeah. you want to. No, You're trying to no, talk yourself no, out of it. it's Stroud. It's Stroud. He's yeah. right. It's Stroud. Leave my call you know alone. What, though, sitting here going like, why yeah, is no one yeah. yelling? I, listen, I, I do expect it. both Ben and Steven uh, to be yelling okay. right now. Listen, well, I will say this. Shield's right. I will say this, Ruiz. I, I, one of my longstanding life things is like just give in to peer pressure. Like it's not, unless it's something that's going to put yourself, <laughs> oh, okay. unless it's going to put yourself in harm's way. Obviously those things, you don't want to do damage. But for the most part, if someone's like, you know, Hey, come on, you know, stick around for one more. Drink. It's easier to just like stick around for the one more drink than to put it. No, I'm I'm out of here. So I, I will give into peer pressure. And because I am team content and I think more people will say CJ Stroud, I'm changing it and I'm taking Jordan See, Love. So there Nora, you go. this is why I didn't yell, because if I had supported Stroud, I immediately he's going love. The second I would have been like, <laughs> yeah, I'm so excited about CJ Stroud. You're right. Great take. You'd be like, you know what? It's Jordan. Yeah. And it's always been Jordan Benny. Like it, that's that's the way he goes. <laughs> so about not things. Shields boy. <laughs> Yeah, well, I was I I tried to find it. I didn't have it. Well, all right then, Ben, make make the case for Stroud over Love. Yeah, yeah. Um, what what Stroud does in terms of like uh, accuracy and aggression downfield, and and in terms of like pocket management as well. Like I think that Love's best throws are like high aggression throws and are high physical challenge, uh, uh, physically challenging. They're difficult throws, but there's a lot more of like a standard risk reward with Love, where like he'll try some knucklehead stuff and it won't work, and like. He'll invite interceptions. He'll invite plays on the ball. He'll, make, he'll go outside of structure and he'll get sacked. He'll get pressured. Stroud's risk reward right now is like astronomical. And honestly, like it is a hard question because you watch Stroud's rookie season and you go, okay, there's no way he can keep this up, right? He's going to have to come back down to earth in some degree where he's trying all these like tight window throws and these, these, these uh, tight coverage throws. Like eventually, like the interception numbers are going to come. But right now, like, he, the the juice that he gets for the squeeze in terms of of the downfield shots that he gets and the explosive plays that he gets while still protecting the football, uh, moving away from sacks, not being like a high turnover rate guy, like that ratio is unbelievable. And so if Stroud continues to be that, and that that's that's where he hangs his hat. It's just like I can create explosives without the cost. Like I can be a quick time to throw player, I can be a low interception rate player, but still create big plays. Like that that's the dream. That's exactly what I want in a quarterback. It's just give me rip me off chunk gains while also not making the game dangerous. It's unbelievable. How many of us, for our impressions, did something quarterback related? I have like, I have uh, like a similar but also opposite take from Shield. Mine was okay. related to the one he had. <laughs> Not gonna lie. <laughs> what was yours, Steven? Mine was that the the quarterback position is in good hands, and uh, like Shield said, we were worried about that with these old guys moving on. In the last couple of years, we've lost a couple of Hall of Famers. I'm not worried about that so much anymore, and it's because of guys like Stroud, because of guys like Love, and then. Just the the elite guys that are young right now, like Mahomes, is just getting better every year. Josh Allen is getting better every year. Lamar Jackson is getting better every year. I don't know if this is the best era for quarterback play ever, but it's the coolest one too because you have all of these different styles of play. Whereas 15 years ago, I, I don't think Brady and, and Manning were as similar as people make them out to be, but they were in the same archetype of quarterback. Now we have all these different types at the top of the league and it's cool to watch and it's cool to see how they shape their respective offenses. Ben, were you going in the same direction? What's speaking? Why, why, why my, my are you giggling kind of, over there? 
my take is kind of the opposite direction, but again, not really. Like, I, I let me let me state my take. I'm, op- see, my take. I'm optimistic. He's cynical. And then she'll and then she'll yell Extra at me. Extra point threat. threat duel go duel taken. My lasting impression of the season is that quarterbacks not named Patrick are overrated. All right, <laughs> oh like, brother. Uh, here's the thing, and let me let me explain. Let me explain Eagles why. Eagles fan. No, because here's the thing, right? I think Josh Allen, right, emphatically like walking into the season, the second best quarterback in the league. Like Josh is the is the the contender to Patrick Mahomes. We heard that a couple, uh, you know, the, uh, last off season. And then the Bills barely limp into the playoffs. And there's an offensive coordinator change, and there's injuries across the board. But you just you forget how much their defense matters. You forget how much their wide receiver room matters. Oh, when it wasn't Josh Allen, it was Joe Burrow. And obviously, like Joe Burrow got hurt uh, before the season and during the season. But there was a stretch in the middle of the season when Joe Burrow was purportedly healthy. And it turns out that, like, hey, offense isn't always as easy as chuck it up to Jamar Chase, chuck it up to T. Higgins. And again, like, he was hurt. I understand that. I don't think the Burrow case is, like, a huge argument for this. But we love to put people near Mahomes. We love to be like, oh, like, who's contending with Patrick? And the answer is just no one. And nobody... It's not close. You're all you're all fighting for second place. Lamar, Burrow, Josh, you're all fighting for silver medal and to not be close to gold. We saw this season, like Justin Herbert and the Chargers, right? Where it's like, okay, like uh, uh, they, they have the the Mike Williams injury and Keenan's banged up and the defense isn't solved. They can't make the playoffs. Trevor Lawrence, like Lawrence and Herbert are playing excellent ball. These teams are not making the playoffs. Bring up Tua if you want. Right, like all like everybody like, oh, Tua's great. Like we believe in Tua. Tua's improving under McDaniel. Yeah, defense has got wind of this and slowed this thing down. Like we we love to talk about quarterbacks. We love to silo and focus on quarterbacks. I think we we do it too far. And this season was a reminder that like, hey, the other positions on the field really freaking matter. Ask the Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl champion how much cornerback matters to them, how much wide receiver matters to them over the course of the season. We like to to list the top quarterbacks. And then say those are the best teams, and, and, and I think we oversimplify that. And this season was a good reminder that unless you have Patrick, Patrick is the gold medal, the standard, untouchable. Your guys probably fighting for second place, and being the second best quarterback does not like impact and predict team success on a, on a one season view. It certainly does over like a five season view, but it does not on a one season view as much as we, the football consuming fan base, wants to. That's believe. not the opposite of our takes. I'm Both confused. I'm so confused by the take. I don't know that I, do I spent, totally understand I spent the half take. of that. That rant, googling frantically to see if there was a backup quarterback anywhere named Patrick. Named Patrick, yeah. Shockingly, uh, few no, I, other like, Patrick in I the National I, Football like, League. That's why, like, I, opposite wasn't correct. I knew opposite wasn't correct. Shield, the take is just fundamentally that one stop trying to say, oh, is he pushing Patrick? Or who's the best quarterback in the league? Who's like, saying it's, that? Oh, it's, it's Come on, I, who's saying Patrick Mahomes? Shield, watch uh, any content. No, I don't watch me. the nonsense content. Here, here. We could take a wait, poll. Wait. We could, we could okay. have a list of 50 NFL people we respect. And I bet you all 50 during the season, before the season, after the season, you said, give me one quarterback to start your franchise with. And 48 would have said Patrick Mahomes. Am I wrong about that? Yes, but... But chill. Guess what? The people who consume football content don't exclusively listen to us <laughs> and the other fifty people that we respect. They listen to some other people, and sometimes it's important well, to address hold on, those things. Hold on, hold on. I mean, Stephen and I had a conversation not that many weeks ago about not over a five-year sample size, but this season, Lamar Jackson being worthy of a conversation as currently performing as the best quarterback in the league. Yes. Now, obviously... Nora, Shield, Shield's been looking for a way to tell you this, but he doesn't respect your takes. And that's why you didn't make the, the 50 <laughs> That's the problem there. Obviously, the last couple of weeks have, been, have served as, as a referendum on that. 
But has it though? Wait, wait, wait. Let me push back against that. Because if Zay if Zay Flowers doesn't fumble into the end zone, Solak's not going on that rant he just went on two minutes ago. Let's just say let's just say that it was a very close game. This idea that Patrick Mahomes, like the Chiefs have Patrick Mahomes, so they're never going to lose again. They just got waxed by like 30 points to the Raiders like yes, on Christmas. I agree with this. This Thank is you. this is ridiculous. It's just yeah. overreaction to them winning two Super Bowls in a row. They were a very flawed football team. When you run that season back again, they're not winning the Super Bowl every time. They're probably they weren't the better team in Baltimore. Baltimore was a better team than them. They play that game 10 times. Baltimore wins so, seven times. So what you're saying is elite quarterbacking is not as predictive of team success as maybe we like to believe but it I is. But I mean, it, it, it is. It gets you in, yeah, the, it, in the mix. They had the the other mean, team had the MVP. What are you yeah, talking it, about? It's, it, so so I think what I, I'm with what Steven said, and I disagree because I think this actually, I, I you know, I, I do think this is something that if, has come out of the Super Bowl win that it's just like, it was inevitable. It was going to be Mahomes all along. So I think two things are true. One, yes, Mahomes is on another tier. Absolutely. Whole body of work. That that's the guy you want. Uh, no one. You, I, I can't make an argument for anyone else. Maybe some can, but I do think what Stephen has said is so true. We make these huge narratives, but like like if uh, if the ball doesn't hit Daryl Luter's foot, like the right. Chiefs scored one touchdown on their first twelve offensive possessions, and an average NFL game, you get the ball eleven times. Like there is a, it's a random bounce where we're having a different conversation after the Super Bowl about how, hey, the Chiefs didn't have enough on, on offense and they were able to mm-hmm. get by. But in the end, it bit them and, and another still team won. perfectly served by the second half of my team. Yeah, but I mean, I, I would like I, I think elite quarterback play gets you in the mix. It's going to get you to the top four, top six, top eight. I mean, the Bills, I think, are a great example uh, of that over the years. They haven't won it, but they're always in the mix because the quarterback can get them to a specific level. Now, we can say which quarterbacks are the elevators who can get you to that level. And that's probably a pretty short list. It's probably fewer than five. I I, I don't know what the number is without thinking about it. Uh, but I do think if you have like one of those, maybe four to six guys, then you're just like, there's going to be a weird year where a lot of people get injured. But for the most part, you're going to be in the playoffs. You're going to be in the mix. You're going to be in the divisional round. And once that happens, like weird stuff's going to happen, but you need that, you know, if you have that guy, that's the way to sustain success and give yourself a chance year after year after year. And all- the divisional round had Brock Purdy, Jared Goff, and Baker yeah, Mayfield. In yeah, it. this yeah this year that's a random. Then what there's, happened? There's random one-off years like Brock went to the Super Bowl. And then speed. what happened? Jared Goff went to the NFC. And Championship then what happened? Game. I oh so okay so you guys get to argue Chiefs should have actually won the game when you want to, but then when I bring up the other guys, I'm like, no, oh, no, but don't I'm, worry, the Chiefs I'm won. Sus- so it I'm saying it. sustained success, like uh, over yeah, a period of right. yes, in a one-off yes, year, and- absolutely you can get there with a random guy. Uh, we know that, but if you're saying like, yeah, and this is how NFL teams are like, how do we build a team that's in the mix for the next, whatever, six years or whatever, the easiest, most straightforward path is to have, maybe there's another way, like maybe it will happen. No, I usually agree. it's not. I sat at the end of my take. It's certainly not a five-year take. It's a one-year take, but the prompt was, what did we learn off the 24 season? And I struggle to look at this season with all the expectations that many fan braces brought in for Justin Herbert, Trevor Lawrence, Jalen Hurts, Tua Tungabailoa, rightfully or wrongfully for all of those. And say, hey, like, we overinflate the level of our quarterback's play and the value of that level. We inherently do it because, like, football conversation is is quarterback centralized. It absolutely is. I'm just beseeching the people to care about your right tackle, care about your corner, too. Like, these are real (laughs) positions and high impact on games. Uh, We're we're going to need a clip of that. (laughs) Ben. Select quote, care about your right tackle 2024. No, like, That's I the platform it, I I'm running it on. With, I am beseeching the people. Yeah, I mean, that might break some social <laughs> records. Care about your right tackle. I mean, you are so beseeched, audience.
<laughs> that was a good take. I'm happy with how I defended it. I like right. right tackles, but I don't want to come across as anti-right tackle. No. <laughs> I'm anti-right tackle. <laughs> Me Overrated. too. Losers. Keep Protect them out of the, the blind side. Play on the blind side like a real man. <laughs> <laughs> Compete. All right. S- speaking of, mine is, I, I feel like mine is sort of, um, related to all of these things. Uh, and I wasn't sure if someone was going to go in, in the same direction. So I tried to be a little bit cheeky with it, which is to say that my lasting impression is that we have a new football hipster obsession and it's sack avoidance. Mm. And I, I just, I mean, I remember a couple of years hit. ago, a few years. No, this is all said with love. And I okay. actually, and you know what? I, you know what? I had to 2019, 2020 Eagles fan bed with Carson Wentz was already here. All right. We I I, I knew this band first. I had their album on vinyl. I'm <laughs> and <there>. listen, representing <laughs> the normies, uh, I don't know that we're giving this one to the hipsters, but sorry, continue. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I say I say it with love. I just, you know, a few years back, there was a really trendy line of analysis about how how the smart thing to do was to build a defense back to front and and teams always they invest on the line and they invest in the pass rush and you should invest in coverage and and I actually think that's that's borne out to be a little six of one half a dozen of the other this probably has a little bit more credibility but just in terms of of something kind of entering the discourse and trickling down to the normies I, I think we have the latest one and you know you can you can look at the Super Bowl right you can look at at the season that Mahomes had and what worked and what didn't work about that Chiefs offense. And there were a lot of things at a lot of points this season that didn't work very well. But one of the things that is not particularly sexy, but was always true, was that he was not taking a lot of sacks. And relative to the amount of pressure he was taking, especially he was not taking a lot of sacks. If you look at this season, the top 10 quarterbacks with at least 150 dropbacks by pressure to sack rate, so the amount of pressure dropbacks that turn to sacks, least to, to more, it's Josh Allen, Mahomes, Purdy, Jordan Love, Jared Goff, Geno Smith, Jalen Hurts, Justin Herbert, Matthew Stafford, and Josh Dobbs. So... Oh, Josh Dobbs. Shout out Josh Dobbs. <laughs> A lot so of great got, quarterbacks and then Josh Dobbs. Well, but, but think about it. You've got seven out of ten of those are playoff quarterbacks. Two more, Gino and Justin Herbert, are are a quality starter. You know, Herbert of a slightly different caliber, but both quality starters. And then you've got Josh Dobbs, who is not the same caliber of quarterback, but at the same time, there is a there is basically one reason that that was even remotely stable in Minnesota for as long as it was, and it was because that guy can run around. So, you know, I know both Steven and Ben, because this is essentially a, a point about quarterback mobility, which is something that Steven and Ben have have both written a lot about this year. Um, so I'm curious what, what both of you would say. But, you know, the broader point can certainly be that if you're building now and if you're, if you're going after a quarterback, even though Ben says they're completely overrated and they don't, <laughs> don't really try contribute to get a good one. at it's all. <laughs> and actually, I mean, we should just try the sport without them because they're all sort of, they're all sort of wing T, wing T. Let the right no tackles one, okay. throw the football. I'm sorry. Is Ben still like morphing into Bill Belichick in his little Riverside cube? All of a sudden, uh, is that it'd a, be, it'd I be a good bit? If you're doing a build right now, when you go after quarterback, this is a year that I think 
at the beginning of this year, I would have probably given you an answer about how necessary these traits are, which is to say, really nice to have, definitely preferable to the alternative. If you have some structural advantages outside of the quarterback, blah, 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 you can make it work with another guy, yada, yada, yada. This is a season just in terms of who succeeded and who failed. And that is when we look at who the playoff quarterbacks were. That is when we look at who are the quarterbacks like Mac Jones, who absolutely face planted. This is when we look at who are the Jordan Loves and the CJ Strouds who who really sort of popped off in a new way. One of the absolute through lines of, of 2023 was this is a huge, this, this helps you win football games. And this helps you if you're Josh Allen and you're someone who throws a lot of picks, has a lot of turnovers, is losing possessions that way. And that's a big narrative. We talk about it. It's on all the morning shows, blah, 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 blah. But if at the same time you are not contributing to unproductive possessions because you are not taking sacks, it's hugely valuable and and an underrated feature. That was my way of making a point about quarterback mobility differently in case all of you guys did. But then Ben just went with quarterback suck. Right. So you had actual stats. The the fake news. The aggregators are getting my takes so wrong right now. (laughs) You're Tom Brady. You're Tom Brady being like, I see terrible quarterback play. Me and Tom, check out a cover too, son. What are we doing? (laughs) That's my take. That's my lasting impression. I do think that's Steven's like, like, I've been here. I've been on this hill. That's right. That's right. But I do think that that's the thing that gets underrated in prospect evaluation. Like Anthony Richardson, I thought that was overlooked in his game last year. Everyone wanted to focus on his accuracy and how he read a defense and whether he was raw or not. But he had one of the lowest pressure to sack rates in the, the whole country behind a bad offensive line. And I think early on, before his injury, we saw that kind of translate. And throughout recent history, we've seen that translate with a lot of different guys. Yeah, I think, I, I believe, and I could be wrong about this, but I think it it is one of those, like, it's so hard to find the stats that carry over from college to the NFL, but I believe there have been, like, analytic stuff that suggests, mm-hmm. no, if someone's good at this in college, they're going to be good at yeah. it in the NFL and vice versa. And even once you get to the NFL, like, there's always going to be exceptions. I'm, pre- I'm pretty sure Jared Goff, like, there's probably been years where that's been pretty high, and this year it wasn't high. I, I could be wrong about that. Yeah. But I think, yeah, but I think for the most part, like, that is a quarterback stat like what are you able to do and we know statistically that sacks kill drives you take a lot of sacks you know one year you're probably going to take a lot of sacks uh the following year and those are just killing possession after possession after possession so yeah i've got that that's become like one of the stats i like to look at uh, all the time when looking at quarterbacks so i guess i am a normie now because yeah it was just this year that i was like oh you know i kind of <laughs> like this one all these other ones are you know nonsense but this is one that yeah. i like to look at it's going to help me evaluate what this guy does well so i'm with you for sure yeah. To continue on my uh, overrated, underrated <laughs> theme, one of the things that why well, we saw we started to talk about this year. I remember Steve and I. I can't remember who, which quarterback got us on this, but it was the idea that sacks are underrated and interceptions are overrated. Where like people see interceptions, and they go Allen. like, "Yeah, I think it was Josh." Yeah, it it that's on the court interception. That's on the quarterback, and it sucks. It ends the drive. I don't think people realize how frequently sacks end drives. It's not an end-all, be-all. Like an interception very clearly ends a drive. A sack, um, I was trying to find out. There's a this good data piece that has some information. I couldn't find it while I was Googling. But sacks really are, are very, very high drive enders. It is very hard to take a sack on a series. 
especially if you're taking it on like a second down, a third down, obviously. But if you're taking it like into the series, very hard to then go pick up the first down afterwards. And quarterbacks have a lot more control over sacks. Not not a lot more. Quarterbacks have more control over sacks than I think people realize and less control over interceptions than I think people realize. And so when we care about what quarterbacks do and what's measurable, like Shield said, what's sticky, sacks we need to care about more both because of the impact they have on the offense and because of the quarterback's control over whether or not they take a sack. The funniest person on that list is actually not Josh Jobs. It's Jared Goff. All right. Uh, I, yes. The, <laughs> yeah. the, the general, like, the three-legged stool of quarterbacking from Adam Harstad, right, says you're going to be one of three things. You're going to be a high sack rate guy, a high interception rate guy, or you're going to be a low dot slash high throwaway guy. And yes, Jared Goff doesn't take a lot of sacks. Dirt's a lot of footballs, Jared Goff does. <laughs> Not necessarily going out there and creating plays, the young man Jared is. <laughs> Uh, and so, right, like, it's good to be low sack. It's better to be high throwaway than it is to be low sack. But also, we all know Jared's numbers against the Blitz. We know what he does. He just gets rid of the football and goes to fight for second and ten. In terms of, like, prospect evaluation, I, I feel like it's the one thing that really translates, like, in terms of what you're facing in the college game. Because you're not going to read out plays the same in college as you do in the pros. You're not going to deal with the same pockets. You're not going to see the same coverages. But, like, dealing with a big guy in your face is the same no matter where you're playing. Mm-hmm. Is there anything, Ben? Am I am I um, am I ambushing you? Asking if there's asking you to do a little draft talk, and if there's any sort of if you have any formed opinions about which prospects this is a thumbs up for and which this is a thumbs down for. Uh, you're not ambushing me on uh, the prospects. Uh, I, Caleb, I just found these stats as Anthony Amico of Establish the Run. Caleb Williams this is just pure sack rate. It's not pressure to sack. But Caleb Williams, 7.7% sack rate. Drake May, 5.7%. Jaden Daniels, 5.1%. The only guy uh, of the top dudes who's like remarkably low sack rate, uh, actually two, Bo Nix out of Oregon is 1.2%. Michael Penix is 2.1%. What I'll say of the top three, Caleb, Drake, and Jaden, all three of them are aggressors. All three of them would like to hold on to the football to create stuff. Uh, Jaden tends to be like a one read and scramble guy. So a lot of his sacks are like outside of the pocket, gets dragged down behind line of scrimmage. Caleb and Drake are a lot more let's buy some time so we can chuck this thing. Uh, and I'll be honest, high sack rates for both. I kind of don't care. They're heavy metal. They're both <laughs> sick. Like they're, they're both so cool. And they, they can achieve a lot. And they're trying to score a ton of points because that's how their teams need to win games. Um, so I'd be, I, that'd be a thing I'd be interested to ask them about. Because like yeah. uh, for the, both of them, it, it feels to me like they've had, a, they've had good return on their investment when they keep the football. So it might be a habit. You have to wean off them a little bit uh, when you get to the league, but not too much because both of them win that way. I feel like with Caleb, it's kind of like the Mahomes situation in college where he had to live like that in order to move the mm-hmm. ball. Like, I never watched him and and was thinking, oh, I wish he got rid of the ball quicker there. I mean, uh, every once in a while, but it wasn't a problem that I saw a lot. Yeah, and with Drake, like, Drake, I would say more like, sometimes Drake will see that it's a, a blitz and be like, ah, I'm big. Yeah. <laughs> and he'll just get like lit up like a Christmas tree. And you're like, yeah, Drake. The other guy's kind of big too. And that's like, Drake's got to learn, I and think, more than Jaden Daniels does that, but he's not big. And uh, he's, yeah, Jaden's he's, he's a stuntman out there. Yeah. Speaking of things Mahomes had to do in college, have I ever told you guys that one of my deepest regrets is not going to see um, a 68 to 55 Arizona State, Texas Tech game. You could have gone to that seven touchdown Caleb I could have gone to that game. Actually, I wanted to go to that game. It was the first NFL game I ever covered. It was uh, the Patriots. Everyone at college game. Yeah. Patriots at Cardinals. It was the first Jimmy game. Brady was suspended. And it was my first like road game, any game of that 
that season I was working for the Boston Globe. And, you know, I don't mean to throw my wonderful coworkers under the bus here, but they went golfing during the day and got like drunk and sunburned and were like, ah, we don't actually want to go tonight. And I was like, okay, well. So I'm wait, can myself. I ask something real quick? Why did you want to go to Arizona State, Texas Tech? I didn't really, I, I didn't want, like, it, this was not my okay. idea, but I was 22 and I had no, oh, I hadn't made any friends then. That meant a lot to me. Thank you. Yep. I hadn't made any friends on the beat yet. And so I was just like happy to be invited. And they were like, oh, do you yeah, want to come that, to the football? That's acceptable. No friend loser wants said, to see like, Patrick Mahomes. She doesn't have to explain anymore. No, 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 no. I mean, like at that time, like obviously Mahomes was like fun and a sensation or whatever. But if someone had been like, I really wanted to go see that era of Arizona State versus Texas Tech football, that's a little on it. Like, I, if I said that, I'd be worried about me. So yeah. I, I wanted to just make sure. Yeah. No, every, was like, everyone I was, really was just like, oh, there's the a, Sun Devils film. There's a yeah. local college team's got a game tonight. Maybe that would be fun. <laughs> and then we didn't go. And then it was an epic game. And but now you got to see Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl. That's true. Two that's years true. in a row. Yeah, that's true. All right. Why don't we take a quick break and then we will come back and do offseason storylines. It was an eight touchdown game for Caleb <laughs> Benjamin, Holy I am Moses. trying to throw to the break. <laughs> Sorry. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. There's no better feeling than a personal win and the State Farm personal price plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Ringer NFL. Just go to Indeed.com slash Ringer NFL right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode is brought to you by Modelo. What does a true fan look like? It's cheering the loudest. It's never missing a game, no matter what. And for that, you deserve an ice cold reward because you are a fighter and Modelo is your reward. Modelo, the mark of a fighter. Shop delivery or pickup options near you at ordermodelo.com. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois. All right, we are back. I'm pretty sure Ben is still looking at that box score. Kiki Kuti <laughs> had one catch for eight yards. It went in the fourth round in this game. Ben, it was like 100 degrees. They all went golfing. They all had like eight beers while golfing. And we're just like, I don't care about what your, what your pals did. I just look at the box score again. I should have gone solo. I really should have just gone. Patrick Mahomes led Texas Tech in rushing. This was really quite the precursor for <laughs> no, his it career. Really, like, you, can tell the, you can tell the story of the next 10 years. Good game. Also, it was like eight years ago. Okay. Back on track. Maybe. We're we're going to do the same thing. Uh, we're going to each go around, talk about something we're looking forward to in the offseason, something we're interested to see play out. Um, presumably, Ben's will have nothing to do with quarterbacks because he doesn't believe in them and doesn't think that they're relevant. 
one of my first options was like, I want to where Kirk goes. And I was like, I can't do that. Uh, after I do that so, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I now I'm going to cut that one. All right. What did you do instead? Um, I'm really interested to see what the league does with the hip drop tackle this offseason. I think this is like a really important uh, arc. So for those who don't know, the league is... Why are we laughing <laughs> Go back to the Kirk one. Go back to the Kirk one. <laughs> this is a big deal. You're so weird. Why is this funny? Short is. Okay, tell tell us about the hip drop tackle. (laughs) Short's a big deal. That's why the rest of us are laughing. (laughs) (laughs) I'm being bullied on the podcast. The hip drop tackle, okay, is a tackle in which defensive player grabs an offensive player, ball carrier, Uh then he rotates, and then he drops his weight, and he lands on the player's ankles and, and on their legs. This has led to a lot of injury over the course of the last couple of years. Mahomes got a, has a sprained ankle in the playoffs last season. I'm sorry. Are you Bro- really coming on this podcast to say quarterbacks don't matter, but the hip drag tackle does? <laughs> I didn't say quarterbacks don't matter. And this is an offseason storyline. What am I going to do? Like, I wonder where T. Higgins goes? Yes. Like, no. Yes. That matters. Russell oh. Wilson. The Jets hate each other. What? Why would I possibly care about Russell Wilson in 2024? Is a this now you're morphing into Sean Payton. In the league. Hip drop tackles aren't real. Well, so that's the thing, right? Is the league like there's there's very clear momentum that the league wants to get rid of this thing, but they struggle to define this thing. Hip drop tackles are very like gray area. It's not head to head contact where it's like oh, it's very obvious. But there's two ways to tackle a guy, and there's to put your momentum and your velocity through him, or is to drop your weight on him. And right now, like we've we've had a lot of litigation against putting your velocity through a guy, you know, hitting a guy with contact over the middle of the field, unnecessary roughness leading with the head. And now we're going to get litigation against dropping your weight on a guy. It's going to be really, really challenging to just tackle football players. And and obviously, like, rules skew towards offense more and more every single year. This feels like an extremely big one, in my opinion, where, like, when we started to think about uh, uh, those, those like, when the illegal contact penalty started to uh, appear in the league and all of a sudden offensive scoring jumped, I think hip drop can have a, a similar effect. So maybe it's the the betting guy in me who's looking at totals and cares about points scored. Maybe it's just the, the, the you know, the little uh, fifth grader who wanted to play safety because he idolized Brian Dawkins. But, like, this, in my opinion, will really hurt defensive players' ability to tackle guys in space. It is really hard to do the job if you can't leave with your head and go velocity through, and if you can't drop drop your weight on a guy. You have to try to do it for the safety of the game. I acknowledge it's got to be try to be done, but it is challenging. It, it is a big deal, and so I'm very interested to see what, what this looks like. Composition committee is obviously going to meet over the next couple of weeks. We're going to get some more information about this at the NFL Combine. This is a big storyline of the offseason for me, and I'm allowed to have my opinions and my <laughs> interests, and you are supposed to support me as my friends. I think the rest of us can agree that if there's any hip drop stuff happening, in the, can we all agree? We'll let Solak handle it. No one yeah. else do a hip drop tackle take. Solak, it's your corner. If that rule gets implemented, you get to write off of it. Yeah, you get exactly. Don't yes. ask anybody I, else. And I'll be happy to because it would be a key storyline. I don't. But I don't know. Were you guys not getting hip drop tackle questions every single week of the season? Because I was. No, it's not. No. No, not really. Jeez. <laughs> I do. I, I, I'm looking forward. This is the type of thing that that makes a competition committee meeting really spicy. So here's what I can tell you, and I'll, I'll say this with my chest. I'm really looking forward to, you know, the the Adam Schefter, the Tom Pelissero, the Seth Wickersham, whoever it is who, who's got the eyes and ears in that meeting and gives us the color on which member, you know, stood up and delivered an impassioned, you're ruining the game, football will never be the same, 
this isn't real football. This is undermining the integrity of the National Football League of America, of modern society. Like, this is just the type of thing that people get get really upset about in those meetings. And that yeah. tends to leak to reporters. And it's that's a big deal to the me. owners of the league, but oh, let's make fun of Ben for caring about it. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm I'm sorry, Ben. I'm sorry we made fun of you for I'm your not. That's okay. Day. I'll remember this. <laughs> Listen, this is how you get to be a member of the football hipster society. So it's it's good. It's you know there will be talk about it, and I will defer to you when there's talk about it. Yeah, looking forward to it. <laughs> All right. Well, that was our hip drop tackle <laughs> correspondent Benjamin Solak. Uh, Stephen, you want to give us your take, your your yeah. offseason look ahead, the fairness of the tush push. That's what I want to talk. No, I don't care about that <laughs> stuff. Uh, no, touch push tired. Hip drop tackle wired. <laughs> no, I want to know, and this is a new one. I had to change mine based on yesterday's news. I want to know who Kyle Shanahan hires as his defensive coordinator. I think it tells us what Kyle thinks about where defense is going and what kind of defense stops his offense because that's the type of thing that's spreading throughout the league. That's the type of offense that's spreading throughout the league. If I'm Kyle, I'm calling Belichick. If you had, if you had it in you to call about Brady, you've got to call about Belichick. And I think that's the the move that might get him over the hump. Every once in a while, someone has a take where you're just so jealous of it. I- I'm so jealous. I did. That's a great idea. I love that yeah, idea so much. I mean, if he doesn't do it, particularly with those two make weird phone calls to each other. That's how Jimmy Garoppolo happened. That's they love to do it. They love to. Hey, Bill, it's Kyle. Hey, Kyle, it's Bill. They love to do it. That's like a conversation you have with your kids. How did, how did uh, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo happen? Well, <laughs> Kyle and Bill, Bill have weird Kyle. phone calls. <laughs> and then Jimmy appears. <laughs> then a very then handsome Jimmy Garoppolo quarterback traded appears. for a second round pick. A stork flew out of Eastern Illinois University. <laughs> I mean, it. It re- when you think about it, like, all right, so the reasons why, and I'm with you, uh, I, think it, I think that is going to be interesting to see who he gets. And, in my head, I'm like, there are reasons why that would make a lot of sense. Like you said, they know each other. They respect each other. Belichick's not, what's he going to do, TV? This, you know, if he wants to be in the game, he could be on a team with Super Bowl aspirations, and he could work with somebody who he likes, a, a defense that has talent. Uh, you know, it would just be kind of another weird, sort of weird feather in his cap. The thing holding me back, if you're Kyle Shanahan and you can't get over the hump and you've been so <laughs> close over and over and over again. Does your ego allow you to bring in Bill Belichick and like win a Super Bowl? And then it's like, like I, I don't know. I don't know what the narrative will be, but there will be some part of it. Well, yeah, he brought in Belichick and Belichick helped him win the Super Bowl. Who was really, you know, calling the shots. Belichick was coaching the whole defense. That's the only thing I wonder about. Now, maybe he's like, who cares? I want the ring. Uh, I want the Lombardi. This is the best guy for the job. That would be, you know, a reasonable, rational way to approach it for a normal human being. As I say all the time, <laughs> NFL head coaches are not normal, rational human beings. They're not well-adjusted people. There's a lot of stuff at play there. But man, that would be such a fun storyline for Belichick to be freaking calling that defense for Shanahan. And what does it look like? Uh, next year. So yeah, I, I am uh, I am interested in that. I, I feel like a- hiring, getting to hire Belichick to work for you is the biggest ego boost you can get. Mm-hmm. So who cares about that? That's true. Thing? Also, yep. Bill has another option. He could podcast. I'm willing to make it a, a triple threat podcast, Bill, if you want to come on. Open <laughs> invitation. We could put another window in we here. We could do yeah. extra point, dual threat taken, 
get a get a sixth rectangle on Can the you imagine screen. how much Shield would call Bill Belichick a football hipster if you were on our show <laughs> right, and he's right. just objectively the yeah. tentpole of the football discourse for the last 20 years? Yeah, we have, have so many Matt Jones questions. No doubt way. about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Bill would be like, oh man, like I think tackling's good. She'd be like, the football hipsters all talking about tackling these days. <laughs> Mischaracterizing my takes, but that's okay. <laughs> I think it's a good question about if Kyle would do it if the ego would get in the way. But if he, I'd respect the hell out of him for doing that because I do think that a lot of coaches would at least have pause for that reason. One, it's so hard to know how the, how the narrative stuff plays out just because sometimes that's dictated by like, Stephen A wakes up in the morning and he he's got a particular rant brewing and then that's what everybody does for the next week. But I just in my soul I have to believe that if Kyle he's just got to win one. He's just got to win. Yeah. It doesn't matter how. He's just got to win one. It, it, trophies have a way of just sort of making everybody shut up about all the little stuff and and it would just be such a cool story that I think people would buy in on it too. Just to back up for a second, I was, I was very surprised to see Wilkes get let go. Um, was anyone feeling like that might have been coming? I mean, we talked about it a lot on on dual threat in the weeks coming up to the Super Bowl. I've not been impressed with this Niners defense for much of the season. You're on extra point taken. I was going to say, did you forget the name of your own podcast you're on? What is happening here? Oh, we've been riffing on the two names for a while. Forgive me for being a little bit conflated with the names. Uh, I was like, wait, we're we're some news, a podcast? you got some news? Do we you have want... like a, yeah. Do we have we're a special be YouTube shield. channel that you're on that I don't we're gonna know We're going to be about? on shield. This yeah. is not a podcast. We have some news to bring to you. <laughs> this is an intervention. Uh, the, um, yeah, no, the, the, they were running a lot of quote unquote, the D'Amico stuff, the Robert Sala stuff, but, and, and like, you've seen this happen all across the league, offense and defense side of the ball, but especially defense. When a guy comes in who wasn't, you know, inoculated in the system. He didn't come up in the system. He gets the big dials right, gets the big features right, but it's the little switches. It's the little stuff. It's the fine tuning where like the, the pressure packages aren't as good, aren't as consistently. The coverage mix ups aren't as good, aren't as consistently. They just, they're speaking a different language than they typically speak. So the accent's going to be a little bit wrong and the declension of the verb's going to be a little bit wrong. There's just details that, that make it clear like this is not the system. And so uh, with Wilkes, like, they had no run defense solutions. None. Never, like, never, like, nothing structurally, like, solve any of these problems. And then I thought the real big thing was, like, third down pressure packages where they were they were absent. Like, this was a, this was not a top 10 defense for the entirety of the season. This was a bottom five rush defense for the whole season. And you saw their defense be a problem against the Green Bay Packers, against the Detroit Lions. And then I thought deliver an above average performance against the Kansas City Chiefs and a, above expectation, I should say. Uh, and it still wasn't enough. Uh, so to me, this is not, not super surprising. With that said, like Wilkes was a decently high floor coordinator. So he's done this for a while. He's respected players like him a lot. Uh, so you got to get this right. You know, and you, you can't be making this switch for for kind of an unknown and then uh, the whole thing blows up here. You, you got to make sure you you know what you're doing. Um, I'll be curious to see if they go internal hire, right? Chris Kostrick's been in that building for forever. Johnny Holland's been in that building for forever. That's their pass rush coach and their, and their linebackers coach. Uh, the other name that like interviewed this cycle that is interesting to me because of the way he coaches defense and the way the defense in the league is heading is Rex Ryan, which I don't love the vibes of, wow. but I feel like it would what be objectively. I had no idea where you were going. Rex I thought Ryan. you were going to say Brandon Staley, honestly. That's what no, I thought. No, I mean, like, Staley, 
Yeah, I mean, so like, I, I think Staley's like a decent defensive coach. I do think Staley, I think he's a good defensive coach. I think he needs a year off. And I think he would benefit from that. I think Staley's, the, the pressure that Staley cracked under as the head coach of the Chargers might be less than the pressure he would experience as Kyle That's Shanahan's true. I'm sorry. I'm that's absolutely true. Yeah, I agree. I'm, so, I'm sorry I'm laughing at Ben's game. Hey, Brandon, you need a year off, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> I think Brandon could use a break. Um, Rex, man, like, uh, uh, a lot of like the, the the blitz stuff, a lot of the 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 crowding the line and creating pressure by sending guys from depth that are you know sim pressure world. Like Rex is the grandfather of a lot of that stuff, and so if you're trying to go the way the league is heading with a known commodity like the Cowboys did with Mike Zimmer, you could do worse than Rex Ryan. A sentence I did not anticipate myself saying any time in the near future, but I I do believe. Ben, you come we, with can we recap today. all the takes that Ben has had? Quarterbacks are overrated and stinked. <laughs> Uh, the most yep. the most important issue of the offseason is the hip drop tackle. And Rex yep. Ryan is back. Rex Ryan for 49ers DC. <laughs> I mean, that is just some excellent podcasting. Welcome to the offseason, baby. We got ideas. I do not have a hat on, but if I had a hat on, it would be off for you. Good, sir. I, I will say this about if I were, you know, uh, Steve Wilkes' agent or if I were in defense of Steve Wilkes. Uh, they had bad stretches this season. They were fourth in defensive DVOA. That surprises me. Every time I look at it, that's a big body of work, a reliable statistic for the most part. And they were fourth in defensive DVOA in the regular season. Playoffs, first two games stunk. That's Super Bowl, again, that's Super Bowl performance. Like last year, the Chiefs had eight possessions in the Super Bowl. If they had eight possessions in this Super Bowl, they had what, a field goal on those? Like like that, that was a very good yeah. performance by Steve Wilkes and the 49ers defense. Uh, in the Super Bowl, really all you could ask for. And if you're a Kyle Shanahan hater, you could definitely spin this as he's scapegoating the defensive coordinator when his offense had like their third, you know, mm. statistically their third worst offensive performance of the season in the Super Bowl. Now, having said that, I think it's understandable. I, like there were definitely stretches in there where I'm like, ooh, this defense, like the, the first two playoff games, I mean, they were getting picked apart. There's a scenario where they lose in the divisional round uh, of the playoffs and it's in large part because their defense is getting absolutely carved up. So I'm kind of like, he knows what's going on behind the scenes. It's, an, it, it's a justifiable move, but I think it's also right to say like, yeah, like Solex, like you better get someone who's, going to be like it's it's not a given that whoever you're going to get is going to be better and that at this time next year we're going to be saying the 49ers solved their defensive coordinator problem like this wasn't like a not to now I feel mean but this wasn't like Joe Barry where it's like all right, we all can see what's happening here you're probably going to upgrade with whoever you replace him with I don't think that's what this is I mean the well, thing maybe about that indicates is, that there's been a little little phone conversation potentially I don't know yeah but. the thing with Wilkes is he's been around for a long time but he hasn't called defenses a lot he's only really done it three years in the nfl he did it one year in carolina uh and i think it was only this year was might have been his second at the pro level he did it at missouri also but he's also he's been like an assistant head coach for the most part so you can kind of see that inexperience especially throughout the playoffs i did think he adjusted well in the second half of games which is a good sign but when you're getting the game plans wrong that's a real red flag for yeah. dc like the the detroit first half man was like all right they do two things dude but, <laughs> right. um yeah, like I, I understand they're ranked highly by DVOA, but they like that defense did not pass the more with less sniff test for Maceal. Where like, like they, you know, they they were Nick Bosa and Charvarius Ward merchants uh, and Fred Warner merchants out there. You know, when when push I came to shove and it came time to cr- create something, they the you know there there wasn't a lot there coming to coach staff, in my opinion. So we'll see. It's a it's a really good pick, Stephen. I support you. <laughs> <laughs> I like I like Belichick to the Niners more than Rex Ryan to the Niners. I'll go on the record. Rex. 
but it would be funny. Uh, all right, Chill, you want to give us yours? I don't know. They were making fun. Like, are we not supposed to talk about Kirk Cousins, even though it is like one of the biggest storylines? Okay, we can talk about it. Okay, let's listen, do I, it. Listen, I, again, I'm representing the normies out there. So if you if you don't want to listen to this part, uh, that's okay. But I was starting to put together my top 50 free agent list for TheRinger.com, which you can read in the weeks ahead. And it's just hard to know what the market's going to be for Kirk Cousins, a 36 year old quarterback coming off of an Achilles injury. Like that is, you know, generally that would be a big stay away, but we know there are going to be teams, coaches, GMs, who are just like, this is the guy we need. Plug this guy into our offense and it's going to look really good. And Steven, I'd be curious to hear what you think about, like just when you were doing the rankings this year about where you have him, because I was looking at statistically and in my head, when I was watching him, I was like, this is like the best version of, Kirk Cousins I've seen. The stats yeah. don't really back that up. Like I was just right, looking yeah. in, and again, that's not everything, but EPA per pass play, success rate. If you look at like his last five seasons, this was actually like a below average eight game sample compared uh, to to those five. Like he was 10th in EPA per pass play, uh, 16th in success rate. So I was like, oh, okay. Maybe, I don't know where my eyes lying to me when I was watching that Vikings offense thinking he was playing uh, really well, or is it just a case of the stats don't tell the story in a small sample? So uh, I'm looking at all those things. I think if you sign Kirk Cousins, you know you're getting what? Like between the 12th and 15th best starter, I would say, where the upside's going to be kind of low, but the floor is going to be pretty high. He's not going to sink your season. And like, what's that worth on the open market? Derek Carr got $37.5 million per year last year with $60 million guaranteed from the Saints. Is there a team that's like, yeah, we'll absolutely do that? Or are they going to be like, no way. At his age, with coming off this injury, we're not doing that. I tend to think whatever contract he gets, given his history of always maximizing his earning potential, it's going to be more than whatever's in my head right now. So I think it could, it could be like that car deal. It could be higher than that car deal. And I think it's sort of a buyer beware thing. Like I, I could see places where it would fit one to two years with Kirk Cousins. That's going to get you to a better spot than where, where you're at right now. But I think with the Asian injury, there's probably more risk uh, than maybe it seems like. So I, I don't know what you guys think about that. Kirk Cousins I, wins that game on Sunday. I will say this. Kyle's thinking about it, but I, you said 12 to 15. I would put him a little bit higher than that. I would put him to okay. like eight to 11. And I think you're right. I, and we have seen his numbers dip, but I think that's more about what's happened around him in the offense. They're not getting as much base cover three. The, the structure of the offense has changed. So I think he's seeing harder coverages and though he's improved individually, his numbers have taken a step back, but I, I think he's a good quarterback. We can admit that now about Kirk Cousins is that he's developed into a good quarterback I just don't know if he's good enough in the ways that matter because we talked about earlier in the pod how much mobility matters. And though he has improved in that area, it's still not like at the baseline level that you need to be considered a top-level quarterback in this era. Yeah, but if you're, if you're trying to plug and chug, Kirk is the best option. Yes, yeah, like for Kirk sure. Makes any, One of the only options. Any team, yeah, any team that he lands on becomes at least like, I am interested in your path to the playoffs if you do X, Y, and Z with Kirk at there. Like he is that that floor of quarterbacking. Like, opinion. like what's the lion ceiling with Kirk Cousins compared to the ceiling with Jared Goff? Mm. I don't think that's different. I don't think that's different. You think that's I different? think higher, but marginally. I don't know. The way Goff played like if, this if year. You're, if you're if you're giving me one or the other, I'll take Kirk. But it's the like I don't think it's enough to like. See, I disagree. I think over the last two years, Kirk has shown an ability to throw when he gets moved off his spot, which was not a thing in his game. And now we don't know how that's going to look with the Achilles injury. That could be totally gone from his game. He could regress in that area. But 
that's a layer where I think it's marginal between him and Goff, like in a vacuum, but that little layer matters a lot, especially with what the Lions need. Cause they have, you could plug in any play action quarterback into that offense and it's going to look good. It's not going to look as good, but if you put in a play action quarterback plus, which I think Kirk Cousins has developed into, I think it just takes another step forward. I like play action plus. Sounds like a streaming service. Exactly. We've improved play action. Now bring it to you in a bundle with lower rates. I think the team Solak mentioned uh, a couple months ago that is still interesting to me is the Pittsburgh Steelers. I mean, that's one where we're not like, oh, is it marginal? It's like, no, no, this guy's going to be a lot better than the guy good line, you ha- good running have game, now. Good receivers. And you have a coordinator there that could probably help, you know, would kind of play to your strengths and you could potentially have a good defense. You have a good head coach. I think that's probably the most Interesting landing spot. And honestly, staying with the Vikings is sort of interesting, you know, with Brian Flores as the defensive coordinator and you still have talent uh, at wide receiver. You have good offensive tackles. But um, those were kind of the teams that came to mind when I was thinking about uh, where he might end up. But more than anything, I mean, like, I just think it's going to be a big number where everyone's going to go, what? Kirk Cousins got what again? And there's the career earnings, Kirk Cousins, guaranteed money, Kirk Cousins, uh, all all that stuff is kind of good going to be blown up when he signs. He kind of said that he's been talking about his contract. And he said, well, the total value doesn't matter as much as the structure matters. He just wants that fully guaranteed money. Uh, Kirk, for man, him. Kirk is first team all pro CTC, right. baby. Kirk's been on yeah, some deals. I job. ran into and I was walking through one of the casinos in Las Vegas last week. And I was with um, I was with my boyfriend and we ran into Mike McCartney. Kirk's, Sick boyfriend. Gra- oh, thanks. Thanks, Ben. Uh, <laughs> we ran into Mike McCartney, Kirk's agent. And we just said hi. And we were chatting for a little bit. We we're walking away. Dude, you know, I was also there, right? Oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was present. I was walking with you. <laughs> yeah. I was wondering what story you were telling. I was there, there at that time. Oh, my okay, God. Yeah, that's so good. for me. Real tough. <laughs> was because tough you know who Mike McCartney is, but Bobby doesn't know who Mike McCartney is. So we walk away and he's yes. like, who was that guy? And I'm like, that's Kirk Cousins' agent. That's one of the all-time great bag getters. In the NFL world. And Ben Solak, who was right there with us, (laughs) was also present. (laughs) Woo! Huge for me. You can recognize that guy (laughs) on site, Ben? Ben. Yeah, I met him when I was in college. Uh, He interviewed me for a job with his agency. Well, now what? Did you get it? Whoa. Did you get it? Nope. (laughs) Not so much of a flex now, is it? (laughs) What's up? (laughs) What an alternate path. Ben Solak. Working for an NFL agency. Oh, I'm ready to but we'll his, do it. I'll do a bonus pod next week just to dig into that. Yeah. Shout out Mike McCartney. But alas, instead I'm podcasting with Shield and being made fun of for caring about hip hop. <laughs> it's tackles. a better life. Trust me on that one. I'm sorry. I forgot you were there. <laughs> <laughs> tough. Tough for me, man. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I'll try to recover. I'll give you guys mine because I think I'm the only one left. Um, so, Ben, I know you don't love the the dynasty talk with the Chiefs, but I'm gonna dynasty. I'm gonna make us do it a little bit. Because look, I, I think I to me, this is the Super Bowl that that squarely says the NFL is is in the midst of another dynastic era in the AFC. And so what's interesting to me this offseason is how the rest of the conference responds. Because a few years ago, when Brady's career with the Pats was dying down, that's when you saw all of those AFC teams making big moves 
drafting quarterbacks. You know, the, the Ravens end up with Lamar. The Jets draft Sam Darnold, which is different, but whatever, it still happened. Um, Josh Allen to the Bills, Joe Burrow to the Bengals, Trevor Lawrence, even, you know, Mahomes to the Chiefs falls into this. And what happened is that now Mahomes is, is the new one, right? Like he's in his prime this season to me. You know, I, I, I do honestly take your point, Ben, about how we should be talking about the Chiefs defense more than we are. And some of the sort of Mahomes inevitability is actually just a, a sort of blinders going up against the real reason that they were able to withstand some of the offensive difficulties this season and, and the real way that they made their way through a really tough playoff path and ultimately won the Super Bowl again. But that's the best quarterback in football. That's a team that if there's a team that you can sort of pencil into the AFC championship game basically every year, that to me, that's who they are. And that has a lot of influence about how other teams specifically in their conference are going to act and are going to build their rosters. And so just this offseason, that's got to influence how New England thinks about the number three pick. It's got to influence how Miami is thinking about this offseason when they're totally capped out. They've got a decision to make on Tua, who's entering the last year of his rookie deal. It's got to influence how the Jets start preparing for what they do when this Rodgers deal is, is up in two years. It's got to influence how the Titans go about rebuilding. It's got to influence what the Broncos think their plans are once they, which we assume is coming soon, release Russell Wilson, um, which they have to do ahead of uh, March 18th or they owe a bunch of guaranteed money for 2025. It's going to have an impact on how a lot of other teams behave. And now if we look at the Brady era sort of as a guide, it's not like those other teams were like, well, screw it. We can't win any games, so let's not try. But the implication mm -hmm. of a lot of moves then was in order to win, this is the team that we have to beat. So the example that I would use with, with the Patriots was, you know, later in, in that dynasty, you saw run-on safeties being drafted by AFC East teams because they wanted someone to cover Gronk. Whatever the, the sort of allegory to that with this Chiefs team and it might not be quite as apparent because if I were in that position, what I would want is load up on pass rush, which is something teams do in the draft sort of anyway. So the, the signal of that is not going to be as obvious. But this to me is the first year when I really think pretty high up on the sort of list of considerations, especially if you're in the division, but if you're in the AFC broadly, it is just like, how do we think about goals and and roster needs when there's a, just always a little kernel of a thought in the back of your mind of like, oh, if we're gonna, if we're even gonna get to the Super Bowl, we have to beat that team and we have to figure out how to do it. I think it's almost like the opposite approach where you're loading up on certain types of defenders to stop them and it's let's load up on offense and just try to outscore them because that's the way to beat them right now because it has flipped for them. They are a defense first team. They were 12th in, or 11th in EPA during the regular <laughs> season on offense. You can outscore them. If you put up 30 points, it's going to be really hard for them to keep up because they don't have this explosive running game. They don't have the receivers they can rely, rely on down to down to move the chains. So you're really, you really force Mahomes into pressing. And we saw in that, that Raiders game on Christmas, what happens when he presses, that's when you see the mistakes. That's when we've seen him throw balls into coverage when the offense 
goes into these long stretches where they're not scoring points. And I just don't think like if if you try to win with their same formula, kind of like what we saw Baltimore try to do, you have a better chance of losing to them right now than you do if you try to outscore them. Just don't have a quarterback. Yeah. You have to have a quarterback, though. You can't have to a, a quarterback that you can attack with a certain game plan and they don't have a plan B. If you have a quarterback like CJ Stroud, for instance, and you give them a great defense, I think you have a better chance going up against the Chiefs. I wonder... Yeah. The other thing I would say that, like, I think you also really want to be able to do against the Chiefs in this iteration of them is be able to control game script and game flow, right? Because they're a lot less capable of being like, oh, no, we're down 17 in the second half. What should we do? Touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. Ha oh, ha, we're up four. That was crazy. Right. Like they, they, they don't have that in their bag as much, and they're going to spend this offseason trying to get that back right. in their bag. There's no that- question about it. But Tyreek Hill's not coming around the corner. Travis Kelsey isn't getting the you know elixir of youth. Like like they, they it's going to take them a little bit to build back into that. And so I think one of the things like you obviously you want to be able to score and, and put them in a deficit, but you also really want to be able to, as Shield brought up with the stat, limit their possessions, right? Because through eight possessions, the Niners had the Chiefs, they had them beat. But Andy and Pat are pretty smart there on the other sideline. They're going to figure something out, right? And so you really want to be able to to shorten that game and limit them of the possessions you get. So basically, like it's have a good quarterback, be able to run the football, get a good pass rush, also be able to cover. It's build a good team. Like that's the, <laughs> it's, Do everything. Um, but the one thing that I think doesn't get talked about a lot that needs to is that idea of you, you really want to be able to control control game flow. And the, the best way to stop Mahomes is to keep on the sideline. I, I feel like throughout the playoffs, there were a lot of coaches talking about the offense and Mahomes. You're like, oh, they have that, that, that other guy on the other sideline. And when you have him, you know you got to score every chance you get. But I don't think the Chiefs were like that this year. And I thought a lot of teams kind of like, psyched themselves out and kind of played into that mindset when you didn't really have to do that against the Chiefs. They scored over 30 points, like, what? uh, One time in the last, like, three months of the season? So I I I wonder how many seasons that lasts. Yeah, I don't think it lasts very long. I think they're able to to recover. But I do think there is going to be a small window where they're kind of trying to find how to get back to the 2018-2019 version of the offense. Because this, like, they won the Super Bowl with this. But I don't think this is sustainable. That That's, yeah, I mean, that is like a, a very interesting question is how do the Chiefs like view themselves after this season? Are they like, hey, we were able to do it that way? Or are they like, let's never freaking make it that hard again on offense? Because right. that's kind of where I'm that at. One. Yeah, that's yeah. where I'm at. I would be like, all right, that was great, but I don't want to do it. I don't want to make it that hard uh, ever again. And even just like free agency, Chris Jones is a free agent. Legereus Need is a free agent. Like these are two, their two best uh, defensive players. Like, is it going to look like that next year? How do they allocate their resources at offensive tackle at wide receiver? Travis Kelsey is another year older. So um, for a team that is like, yeah, a, a dynasty and is always in the mix, it's kind of a fascinating offseason still because it could look completely different by the time we get to the first week of September uh, of next season. My thing is just like, and we all love Spags. But who are the two most important people to that organization? It's Andy Reid and it's Patrick Mahomes. What side of the ball do they is their their bread buttered on? I, I don't think this team fundamentally is like, yep, we're we are defense oriented, man. Like that's that's the next five years. I just I don't see it. All right, squad. Anything else? Any other any other takes? Anyone's just itching to get out there? Ben? Any other uh, competition procedural committee, uh, pen- penalties yeah. or just just 
she's acting like this is like the most esoteric thing. It's all anybody talked about like halfway through the okay, season. I don't know what planet you live on where you think all anybody talks about is Nobody real Jack talked Cole. about it. Uh, the, the owners, Stephen. What about the turf? The turf issue. Who cares David Bakhtiari what they do? was railing about. That's more important. Oh, my heavens. The turf gets a my heavens, but they, but hip drop tackle, that's your clutching pearls. I think somebody hired no, a bot farm I'm with you on the and turf. just sent Let's them after turf. Ben Solak with nothing but hip drop tackle takes. And that's how we got here. All right. Well, all kidding aside, and and Ben, I'm sorry if I'm sorry if, okay, if I'll get over shots it. I'll, were I'm, fired I'm a, on this podcast. I'm gonna I'm gonna talk to Mayor about this and, and express my feelings in, in, a, in a comforting and positive way. You are loved and valued as you all are. Yet again, just enjoy it. I'll I'll be together and get to do a podcast. Uh, speaking of podcasts, many podcasts coming up on on this very feed. Extra point taken. Mondays and Fridays. Dual threat on Wednesdays. We are all actually off next week, but uh, the week after that coming back and, and we'll pick back up with that schedule. So subscribe to the Ringer NFL show feed for all of that if you aren't already. A little weird if you're listening to this podcast and aren't subscribed, but fix it if that's the case. Uh, the draft show. Ben. Heard of it. What's what's going on there? Yeah. Ringer NFL draft show. It's a separate feed, so go subscribe to it. Uh, me, Danny Heibitz, Danny Kelly, and Craig Holbrecht. We just talk all things draft. Uh, we just did a quarterback need index ranking. We're through all the 32 teams, kind of who's his quarterback interested, who's quarterback committed, so on and so forth. Got a combine preview coming up next week as we approach Indianapolis in two weeks. We're doing mock drafts, NFL draft at TheRinger.com. It's a good time. Love it. All right. And The Ringer NFL YouTube channel, too. Everyone should go subscribe to that. And I think that's all we got for now. But lots of good stuff to look out for. All right. Thank you all. Thank you, Stephen Ben Scheel. Delightful to pod with you. Thank you, as always, to Stefan Anderson for production on this episode. Thank you to Eduardo Ocampo for his work on socials. Thank you to Connor Nevins and Arjuna Ramgopal for their additional production supervision and to you for listening. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, Vermont, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXT STEP to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana, visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia, or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York.